are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You're listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, we got Lauren Campbell back on the podcast today to discuss the Houston Astros series and look ahead to the offseason pending free agents for the Red Sox. What more key free agents do they want to go out there and sign? And how far is this team from a World Series title? So we're going to talk all about that on today's pod. But if you want more content by me, just go follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. Or just look up Lockdown Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, and of course, as I always say, thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. This podcast is not possible without you listening, subscribing, sharing, reviewing. So thank you for doing all of that. And of course, the podcast is free and available on all platforms. But now let's get into that conversation with Lauren Campbell of Locked on Red Sox. But first, mic drop. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You beat Tampa Bay. You get past now two AL East division opponents, and now you're facing the Houston Astros. And before we talk about that series, I just want to know, how do you feel about the Astros overall? Because I think a lot of people group the Red Sox and Astros kind of in the same class just because of Alex Cora, and there's some overlap there, and they kind of assume they're cheaters. They got a little stank on them too just because they were under some investigation. So overall, do you kind of look at the Astros as like maybe an ally or you're like, or are you like everyone else? and like, nah, they're the big bad villains of American League. I'm more like everyone else where they're like, I won't call them the big bad villains. I just think they're – very unlikable and I think they became unlikable after the whole the sign steal the sign stealing scandal the trash can you know everyone knows that and but I'm like you know it's four years ago but my whole gripe is that it was it, I mean they, the players they gave out information to gain immunity and that's fine I have no issue with that it's just you can't come out and say this was players driven and be like but they're not gonna receive any punishment and I think they got a little cocky with that. I just don't think they have a very likable team. Uh, the only person who's really that likable is Carlos Correa. And that's because <laughs> Alex Gore is like best friends with him. And they're really close outside of baseball. They do a lot of great things in Puerto Rico together. Um, I just think they're a very unlikable team. They're obviously very good. So it just kind of fuels my hatred for them. But overall, I'm just like, no, they just don't do it for me. I feel that. Everyone hates the Houston Astros. I'm a contrarian, so I like to root for the Astros. Probably the only man outside of Houston who does it. So I will continue being a contrarian. I will continue to root for them. But 
when you look at that Red Sox series against the Astros, when did it actually sink in that this could be a potential World Series run for the Red Sox? Because the way their offense was playing, it was out of their mind bananas, went off against the Yankees, destroyed the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, they were putting up historic offensive numbers. And then Kike Hernandez was just on this insane streak as well, Eddie Rosario type streak as well. So when you guys, when exactly did it set in? When was it when you guys were two games away from potentially going to another World Series? Was it when you were entering the AL, ALCS? When did it sink in like this could be another magical season where the Red Sox just somehow end up with a World Series that no one expected? Um, so it sort of came to light when they were talking about the the Callum Scott song, the dancing on my own, when that became kind of like the anthem. I was like, oh, this is very reminiscent of like 2013 and mm. just kind of everyone's enjoying it, just having a great time on, on this roller coaster here and just seeing everyone singing in the locker room with the champagne showers. And then when Kyle Schwarber hit the grand slam against the Astros, I was like, this is it. This is it. Like my prediction of Astros and six is bad. Like the Red Sox are going to the World Series. I was convinced. And unfortunately, the offense just went cold. Like you said, Kike Hernandez was incredible. All of a sudden he went cold. Hunter Renfro could not hit the ball. Raphael mm-hmm. Devers is swinging for the fences. Um, but, you know, as soon as I saw that Grand Slam, I was just like, this is it. The Red Sox, just give them the World Series trophy right now. Did they ever say what was up with Devers? Because I know there was a lot of discourse because every time he swung, he like grabbed his arm and wrist and went down to one knee. Like I never looked into that. Did they ever say what was up with Devers? It was forearm tightness or forearm fatigue. He was wearing a compression sleeve. But what was weird to me about it is they said that it it only uh, flared up when he would swing and miss. When he made contact, mm. it would be fine. So whenever he dropped the bat after not making contact, it kind of made sense. But also like, why are you taking these hell hacks if that if you're going to swing right through the ball? I understand he wants to hit home runs. He wants to get his team on the board, and he's a power hitter. He hit 37 home runs in, in the regular season. So I get that, but it's like you need to make sure that you're not popping your shoulder out of place, that you're taking care of that arm. It's the playoffs, I understand, but hopefully it's just the, the fatigue and the soreness and doesn't get any further than that because he had an ankle injury in 2020, so just piling on up. Yeah, I guess he was like, if my arm's going to hurt anyway, I'm just going to go ahead and just <laughs> swing for the fences here and yeah. just try to <laughs> increase the lead whenever I can because that dude has major power. He's one of my favorite players uh, to watch in baseball, and he's, he's got that baby face. They're just such a kindred spirit around Rafael Devers. But Red Sox, they end up losing to the Houston Astros. But overall, I mean, the fact that they even made it that far, like were you even bummed when the Red Sox lost? Like, of course you were a little bummed, but like, did it actually like weigh on you? Because of course there's some years, like I'm sure Yankees fans were crushed, crushed after that wild card game. But as a Red Sox fan, you're like, we beat the Yankees. We destroyed Tampa and we took a couple games against the Astros. Like, yeah, we were two games away from another potential world series run, but I think we still had a pretty phenomenal season. Yeah. 100%. I was bummed because it's just, it's never a fun time watching your team get knocked out of the postseason, especially Cinderella story. It was just a lot of fun. What really bugged me out the most is my grandmother is a diehard Red Sox fan and has been for her entire life. She's 93. She watches every game. She was staying up late watching these games. (laughs) And so she's always bummed when the season ends. And it's just like, I called her the next day and she's like, not much of a ball game. So not much else to talk about. (laughs) It's like, oh no, like our phone calls are going to get a little shorter now. But that's the only thing that really bummed me out. She was having so much fun this season. And that's like, as much as as much as you have to enjoy this team going to the ALCS, a team that wasn't even supposed to make the playoffs, it's still just like 
well, that sucks. But it's not going to weigh on me like if they lost a wild card game. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, we went two wins away from the World Series. A team that was experts and analysts across the country were like, this team isn't even making the playoffs. Fourth in the AL East if they're lucky. Lauren and I will talk more about the Red Sox offseason, but this episode is brought to you by Bill Bar because I love Thanksgiving, all the good food and treats, and plenty of them. But maybe you want a yummy dessert, but isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Bill Bars. Bill Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Bilt Bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut Bilt Bar. Or go for a raspberry Bilt Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, but high protein. Covered in 100% real chocolate, of course. But... Built is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a built bar or two. I won't tell anybody. Share some at your family gatherings. It'll make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a built bar yet. New surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at built.com regularly. So check the site often. There's nothing like a built bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Woo! I can't wait. Go to build.com, use promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at build.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, because I feel like most Red Sox fans are like, I'm not even sure I want the Red Sox to win as badly as I want the Yankees to lose. Like those two feelings are pretty much neck and neck with Red Sox fans. So I'm sure I'm sure it would not have been a fun offseason if you guys lost to the Yankees in that wild card game. But when you look ahead to the offseason, at least the Red Sox have some interesting pending free agents up and down this roster. I'm not going to go through all of them, but some key ones I thought were pretty interesting. You got J.D. Martinez, $19 million player option. Kyle Schwarber, $11 million mutual option. Rodriguez, unrestricted free agent. And Christian Vasquez has a $7 million club option. When you look at those four players, do you think all of them are likely to come back from just that core four? Because those those, those seem to be the most important four, unless you think there's someone else. But just in terms of my opinion, those seem to be the most important four that the Red Sox have within their own or within their own organization that could be leaving. Do you think any of those four will be leaving, returning? What What do you think about that? So my gut tells me that J.D. Martinez is going to opt in. But everything mm. else that I've seen, I think it was Ken Rosenthal or Buster Olney. I can't remember which one. They said they expect him to opt out because um, they believe that a DH should make at least 20 mil. He has a $19.35 million option, so it's not <laughs> too far off. But if there's going to be a universal DH, all of a sudden he becomes more valuable to any other team out there. That's Even though true. he's aging, he's injury prone, but he's also versatile. He's, he's probably going to hit at least 30 home runs every year, drive in close to 100 runs every year. So you know what you're getting with him. But my gut tells me he's going to stay for that final year um, and then play for a big contract, maybe not in terms of years, but in terms of money. Erod, I think they will try to work something out on a shorter term, like a one- or two-year deal. Maybe a prove-it deal? Yeah, exactly, because 
He missed all of 2020. You're never going to hold that against him. 2021, he started off so hot, and then he could not get himself together. I don't think in 2019, when he won 19 games, I, I'm not going to call that a fluke, but I don't think that's who he is. I think he's more like a 13-14 win guy, which is still pretty solid. But if he can get in on a team-friendly deal, I think it's worth bringing him back. I think it's worth bringing Christian Vasquez back. He's, mm-hmm. You know what you get with him? I think that catchers are just, you know, they're not these, they're, they're a dime a dozen, I guess. But you know what you get with him. Players like him because he's very respected in the clubhouse, calls a good game, um, good defensive catcher. Obviously, he's not bad offensively either. Right. He's, he's really come around the last two or three seasons at the plate. So it's, you know, that's a really, and seven mil, just lock him up for that, for that one <laughs> yeah. year, one more year. Um, and I think what was, there was one more, wasn't there? Uh, Schwarber. Schwarber. Uh, yeah, I think he's. I think he's gone. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it was fun. Fun while it lasted, but I think after the season he had, especially in the second half with the Red Sox, he's going to make well over that eleven mil. And I just don't think the Red Sox really have a place for him. I think it's just a matter of they don't want to shuffle people around. And if JD Martinez opts out, go and get Nick Castellanos. You don't really have to shuffle too much around. Yeah, Schwarber is a good player. If you told any team they could add a Kyle Schwarber, they would, but. With the Red Sox, it was just a weird fit to yeah. put someone who's never played first base at first base. And you look at someone who's going to be taking his spot, hopefully in the future or I guess next season, because he played basically all of this year, and that's Bobby Dahl back in. He was pretty good. He was up and down a little bit. He started the season pretty cold, but I think he had a what, phenomenal second half where he oh, just yeah. seemed to tear the cover off the ball. Like, Do you think the breakout is coming next season after what you've seen this second half from Bobby Dahl back? I do. And I think a lot of that too has to do with bringing in Kyle Schwarber because you are Bobby Dalback, first base is your position. And all of a sudden the Red Sox are telling you you're going to lose your position to someone who's never played before because you're not performing up to their standards. So I think it kind of lit a fire under him, made him work a little harder. And he's still young. There's still plenty to work out. But I think that what we saw at the end of last year is something that's going to be consistent. And if this is going to come next year or even the season after Red Sox will be a good, good shape for first base. Yeah. He's just one, another one of those guys that the Red Sox just keep continue to produce. And sometimes they do these with these corner infielders where maybe they show flashes like a Will Middlebrooks or Travis Shaw, but they never actually hit that ceiling. But Bobby Dalback seems to be maybe a different caliber of player than those guys. And they, they just repeatedly do this. I mean, I'm looking at their lineup now, Devers, Bogarts, all homegrown guys, even a Vasquez. Bogarts has been there. Like he's only 28, but he's been in that system since he was like, what, 16 years old. It's like forever. Yeah, like he's been there like close to like 20 years. It feels like, even though he's only 28 years old. So I, I have so much respect for the Red Sox always being able to build within. But when you look ahead to this offseason, you of course got to add some free agents and you've mentioned how it is a loaded class so are there any top marquee guys that you got your eyes on or are there any areas of this team that you're like all right that guy could go easily plug and play and fill that hole for this team so I think if and I alluded to this earlier I think if JD Martinez opts out the Red Sox should make a run at Castellanos I think Mm -hmm. that I mean he's so good offensively he's a, a little bit of a defensive liability but if you put him into the DH spot bam, you don't have to worry about his defense and maybe figure it out when they do interleague play and playoffs when that time comes. But I, I know that he's, well, he opted out of two years, 34 mil. So he probably wants around 20 million. But then it's, if they, the Reds are going to probably give him that qualifying offer because they know he'll reject it. And whatever team signs, he signs with, they have to give the Reds a draft pick. I don't know if the Red Sox will want to do that because of how, like I said, this long-term stability thing, they want to continue mm-hmm. to build and really build this farm system. 
but I think he might be really worth just having conversations with, seeing what you can do with him. But J.D. Martinez has to opt out for that to happen. And I just think if you just bring in a reliable relief pitcher, that's it, just a reliable relief pitcher, fans will be happy. I think they can get by with Ovaldi, bring back Erod on the team-friendly deal, Chris Sale, Nick Pavetta. I think you can get by with those four for a little while because I liked what I saw from Pavetta. If Ovaldi mirrors this season again, he's he's going to take over the number one spot next year. So for more or less, I think the starters are in good shape. But just go get a reliable relief pitcher. The Red Sox fans have been asking and begging for like three seasons now. Lauren and I will wrap up the conversation around the Red Sox offseason. But this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKDOWN to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Yeah, a relief, especially when you looked at that bullpen, like the fact that Cora was just so quick to go to a starter like Avaldi late in the game because it was like, uh, I don't know if I really want to trust Hansel Robles for the third straight game. It's uh, like, I, I, I feel you, Cora. I don't know if you want to keep going back to Ryan Brazier as your, your, your best setup guy. So I, I definitely feel you on that area. And I think a JD Martinez, he's someone that you just want to keep in your lineup because I think he does a lot more than just the box score as a sub. Uh, he, he's really a cerebral type player where he's, you know, in there with the iPad. I think it was a big reason why he had a down season because it seems like they didn't use technology as much last year. There wasn't as much in-game scouting for these players. I think it's a, a reason why JD Martinez struggled last year. And he is a guy that I think if you have him in your lineup, he can affect and rub off on other players and maybe their work habits because it seems like there was a lot of dialogue with him and the Mookie Betts on their swings and how to approach the game. And he's just a locked-in player when he's at the plate. He's great at reading pitches and pitchers. So I think when you have him, he's just like another coach basically on the field uh, with, with the way he sees the game and his perspective. So I, I think getting J.D. Martinez is more than what he does for you with his bat. But if he does opt out, do you think there's maybe a chance that Kyle Schwarber slides into that DH role for the Red Sox? I think it's definitely possible. I think it's going to come down to money. And also, Kyle Schwarber's only 28. This probably is his last mm. last chance at like a big, big contract. And he's probably going to go where the money is. And I'm not going to blame anyone for chasing that money because especially in a time when you're trying to get that last big contract, you want everything out of it. I don't know if the Red Sox would be willing to shell out five, six, maybe seven years to somebody who will be 35 at the end of a seven-year contract and just kind of end up with a DH who is would be versatile like J.D. Martinez is. But it's like he's got the $11.5 million option. How much higher do you want to go with him? Yeah, that's true. We'll see if the Red Sox decide to do that. I mean, $11 million is not like crazy, but if he's only going to play DH, we'll see. I mean, 28 years old, that, that's – 
actually like took me back a little bit because I felt like he was older. He seems he just looks like a guy who's at least like 32 years old. So the fact that he's the same age as Bogarts, who's also 28, actually like shocked me a little bit. But just got a couple more questions for you before you wrap up here on the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Lauren Campbell, if you can't read it, if you're listening, Locked on Red Sox host. But where do you rank this team among AL contenders entering next season? Let's just assume they kind of bring back the same core and they get that reliever that you wanted, and maybe they add another starter. Like, do you think this is a top tier team in the American League entering twenty twenty two? Top team, I I think I think I'm going to call them a playoff team still. Okay, I think um, you know I think the, the bullpen is it's just such a big question mark. Where if they just add a couple of pieces there then yeah, I'm just going to be more confident calling them a top team. But until, you know, the, the Rays have always improved themselves, the Yankees have improved themselves. You look at other teams throughout the AL, the Chicago White Sox, the the Astros, obviously, they're always improving. There's there's always a deep lineup. There's always threats throughout their offense and defense. And look at the Red Sox bullpen, and it's like, oh, okay, Hansel Robles, oh, okay, Austin Davis. Like, oh, okay. Like, that's that's not that's not really threatening um no offense to those guys but that's just <laughs> that's just the way the game goes sometimes but um I think if they add just like I said that one or two reliable pieces to the bullpen I'm gonna be more confident being like yes they are certainly the ALs like top two teams right there yeah I didn't understand the Robles move at the deadline because I looked at his stats like I didn't watch any Robles but I just looked at his numbers I was like he's got like a five or six year right like <laughs> why are the Red Sox relying on this guy to be a big part of the bullpen uh it wasn't something that made a lot of sense to me at the time but Bloom is coming from that raise from the office and whenever they make a trade they usually know something's up so right now I mean he, the first move he made was trade Mookie Betts. And right now, I mean, it doesn't – I thought it was going to be an all-time disaster. And right now, it, it's looking a little bit better by the day. Of course, you never want to trade a guy like Mookie Betts. But I think it's it, it's a lot easy to stomach, a lot a lot easier to stomach after seeing the developments over the last couple of years. But Lauren Campbell, I think it says it there on YouTube. But for the people listening, where can they find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at la 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 Lauren, three laws, Lauren with four R's, and then the Lockdown Red Sox Twitter account at LO underscore Red Sox. Lauren, thank you for hopping on today. Thank you for sitting in the chair. I mean, usually these, these are sad sessions for most people, but you must have been the first like playoff host who was like, hey, I'm not totally upset that we got knocked out. So, Lauren, thanks for hopping on today, and thanks for making time with me today. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned in today. Thank you to Lauren Campbell for hopping on the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, doing the therapy chair once again like I've been liking to do on this pod. Who should I hit up next? Let me know. Should it be Locked on Astros? Should it be the Braves guy because the Braves did win the World Series? Should it be the Yankees host? You guys let me know who should be the next Locked on host to sit in the therapy chair. And remember, it doesn't have to be someone that went through a struggle. It could be someone like the Braves host who is coming off the World Series. But thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Of course, I can't do this podcast without you. Listening, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, all that good stuff. But I got one more thing I need you to do for me. Go check out Locked On MLB with Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully and make it your second listen today. He does a fantastic job. And one more thing, come back next week for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Love doing the podcast. I love it even more when my listeners are staying safe and staying healthy the best way they can. Deuces!